Greetings, God's beloved. Thanks for tuning in to Messages of Hope, the sermon podcast from Living Hope Lutheran Church in downtown Las Vegas. It is the third Sunday of Easter, and our reading comes from Acts chapter 9. This is the story of the conversion of Saul. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father in heaven and our risen Lord Jesus. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Oh, I love telling this story. Maybe you've heard it before. If you have, forgive me. Uh, I was a, a member, I was a new member of Holy Spirit Lutheran Church about 15 years ago. I enjoyed coming to worship, to hear the preaching, to meet new people, to pray and sing and praise God. Eventually, I was serving as a worship assistant, playing guitar in the band, and helping out with family promise, and coming to Bible study. I was just thankful that I had found a church home. It's something that I had been looking for for a while, but never really got around to. And finally, we found this church. I was thankful that I found a church home. I spent more time reading the Bible and praying just in my personal life. And I was working at the radio station, but I had been praying for a long time, for a year, every night I was praying, God, I know you have something for me. Show me where you want me to go, and I will follow. That was my prayer every night. And uh, Deborah, one day at church, our ministry coordinator, pulled me aside and said, maybe, yeah, maybe Jason, you should think about going to seminary. And I thought, mm, no thanks, I have a job. Nice talking to you. And uh, kept on just you know, going about my life. Yet I was still praying, God, just show me where you want me to go, and I'll follow. Didn't give it much thought at all, but I kept praying that prayer. And I continued helping out and uh, assisting with confirmation class and even joining the church council and starting a men's ministry. And I was leading Bible studies and coordinating weddings and leading a mom's group. Again, this person pulled me aside and said, uh, you know, Jason, maybe, maybe you want to think about going to seminary. Okay, well, you know, I don't even know what that means. Uh, I think I Googled it. What is seminary? Really clueless, so I have no idea. Eventually, pregnant with Isaac, Ivy and I traveled to Dubuque, Iowa, of all places, to go and visit Warburg Theological Seminary. We visited the faculty and the staff and students and asked so many questions. I'm sure they were already annoyed by me. Um, we got to see the campus housing and the little cul-de-sac with the... Uh, uh, the Cape Cod style townhomes and, and must have been 50 kids running down the street. They called it the Fertile Crescent. <laughs> so, we got to see everything and by the time we got back home to Las Vegas, uh, you know, I was going to work the next day or something like that and reflecting on the trip. And I pulled into the parking lot at the radio station where I worked there. I just thought to myself, you know what, this is, this is too much. Uh, I mean, who quits their job and sells their house and just about everything they own in Las Vegas and moves to, to where? Dubuque, Iowa? <laughs> Come on, that, that's, that's, not, that's not happening. I'm just going to go to work, I'm going to stay put and do my thing. And at that very moment, as I sat in my car, I felt a punch in the gut. And my heart seemed to drop into my stomach, and I just let the tears roll down my face. And I knew I was going to Dubuque. <laughs> I couldn't say no. And I was going to seminary to become a pastor. I could not run from God's call on my life. So the prayer changed. It changed God. You're going to have to figure this out because I have no idea. How to do it. 
don't become a pastor. Uh, I did, there was a, a threat on my life. <laughs> but at night, it was nice. It was nice. <laughs> but it's fair to say that after you know four years of seminary, moving six times with a growing family, focusing on learning theology and studying scripture, it will transform a person. So does serving a congregation for seven plus years. Where we begin our lives, our careers, our families, our personalities may not be where we end up decades later. That's what we're supposed to do. People change and people grow. Life happens. Our perspectives get opened up. We're sometimes shrunken down. When we can't see the road ahead of us, we get to trust that God is the one leading us, teaching us, changing us. This is the third Sunday of Easter, and in this season we're focused on sharing the good news that Jesus is not dead, but is alive, is with us, always, on all the roads we travel on. We hear this good news that we are saved from death and forgiven of our sins, we're transformed and made new through the death and resurrection of our Lord. So we believe this, we share this good news, and we go out into the world letting people know, right? Try, we try. We praise God for grace and mercy and love that we get to share. But maybe we feel a little left out. Because most of us don't have those amazing and dramatic stories of transformation. Maybe you do. Maybe you'll get to share those. But especially if you've been in the church your whole life, you show up and you worship and you share what you've been given. You study the Bible and you serve your neighbors and you come to every church potluck. It becomes like water to a fish. This is just what you do. It's all around. It's it's what we know. Some of us have more dramatic stories. Some of us maybe grew up in a different faith or no faith or came from another country or across the country. But for the most part, these lifelong Lutherans, this is just what you do, right? And that's okay, too. But maybe we long to have this kind of amazing experience where we get knocked down on the road like Saul. And we see a vision of the Lord. Then we really know that this is for real. Maybe an angel appears to us in a dream or the voice of God speaks to us in a new way that reorients our lives. That would be cool. I'd like that. Come on, God. Careful what you ask. Maybe we can be a little jealous of Saul's experience or... Like Thomas, we'd like to see and touch and really know that we're on the way with Jesus. What we can't see, we feel powerless. Think of, think of Saul blinded for three days, huh? When I was in college, my roommate Justin was in his class that included a session on, uh, on learning compassion and solidarity with those who are vision impaired. I don't know if they would do this nowadays. This was, this was a while ago. Quite a while ago. Students were blindfolded and led across campus by another classmate so that they could experience what it might be like just for a little while to be blind. He told me it was helpful to feel that vulnerable, to rely on someone else to lead you, so to trust that they were going to keep you from tripping over a curb or, or your own feet. But of course, after a little while, he got to take off the blindfold. It was only a temporary loss of sight self-reliance. Saul was enemy to those who followed Jesus. We're told he had authority 
from synagogues in Jerusalem to go after those who were seemingly deserting their Jewish practice and life to follow this Jesus. This one they said was raised from the dead. Where did all that anger that we hear about come from? Breathing threats. Sounds angry. Sounds like a dragon. Saul wasn't just pushing back against cultural change, I don't think. He wasn't just violently reacting to a, a threat to his personal ideology. We have to understand that Paul was a faithful person. Maybe he was acting on his deeply held beliefs. N.T. Wright puts it this way, if God, if God was going to establish his reign on earth in heaven, and Paul believed, those who were zealous for God would have to say their prayers and sharpen their swords get ready for action. This was the mindset. Paul was what we would call, Saul, would, what, what we would call fundamentalist. His worldview worked one way. And anything that contradicted that was a threat. There was nothing that could change his mind, right? Until there was this blinding light. He was on the way to Damascus, just north of Jerusalem. Did, did the synagogues of Jerusalem have authority there? We don't, we don't quite know. We hear that he had some orders to go there. And he heard this voice, this bright light and a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul had to have wondered what was happening. Who was this that he was persecuting? Was he persecuting Jesus? Maybe we think of that, that verse in scripture. You did it to the least of these. You did it to me. Paul answers by saying, who are you, Lord? And Jesus spoke directly to him. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were with them, they heard the voice too, but they didn't see anything. They didn't see anyone there. They led him into the city. So they must have been just as terrified, just as shocked. And Saul became Paul. His whole world changed. Hear it from N.T. Wright again. What drove Paul from that moment on in his life, from that moment on the Damascus Road and through his subsequent life, was this belief that Israel's God had done what he always said he would, that Israel's scriptures had been fulfilled in ways that were never before imagined. And the temple and Torah themselves were not, after all, the ultimate realities, but instead glorious signposts pointing forward to the new heaven and earth reality that had come to birth in Jesus. On this road to Damascus, Saul gets a glimpse, a glimpse of the fullness of God in Christ. It was blinding. It was too much for his eyes to handle. He saw what Thomas wanted to see. He saw what so many who came to believe after Jesus rose from the dead wanted to see. He saw what those who have died in the faith see now. He saw Jesus face to face. What kind of change would that bring for a person? For Saul, he went from the fundamentalist, zealot, persecuting followers of Jesus to the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Traveling across the known world to start new communities, to proclaim Christ, 
in places where his life might have been in danger, in homes, in the streets, even behind prison walls. He's still zealous, still faithful, but changed. Maybe you've never felt that punch in the gut. Probably you were never struck blind on the road behind the wheel of aviators. Maybe you never heard that voice from heaven calling your name. How can we trust God when we don't see? When we don't get to see what Saul got to see? What can move our hearts? What can change us and cause us to remain faithful when the world seems to be crumbling around us? How can we be changed when we can't see like that? In Saul's story, a disciple named Ananias had a hand in this too. made a world of difference that he was there, that he was one called by God, who followed that call, who answered by doing what God called him to do. The Lord spoke to him in a vision and called him to invite this dangerous man back into his own home to pray for him. Saul was without his sight, without food or drink for three days. Jesus was giving Saul three days without sight, wondering what would happen, waiting to see again. Here echoes of that story of Jesus three days. A journey from the cross to the grave, to the empty tomb, to the locked room. Saul was pretty weak, we can imagine, having not eaten for those three days. He'd been through hell. And Ananias is worried and protests, but the Lord lets him know that this is the one that God has chosen to do his work. To work through him. And Ananias listens and lays his hands on him, his sight was restored. So it takes two to make a big no <laughs> So all was filled with his promise, Holy Spirit. And after regaining his strength, stayed around and he preached to the people. And he told them about Jesus and told them probably his whole story about what he had been through, where he had been, and how he had changed. And the rest, as they say, is history. We went back to Jerusalem to meet with Peter and Jesus' crew. The rest is history or theology. Both. Our Lord is the one who will change us. Our Lord is the one who gets our attention when we think we're going one way and redirects us to serve and give and become ones that God will work through in ways we often cannot imagine. Maybe it happens as we meet others along the way and get to know their stories. They show us, they see in us what we don't see in ourselves. They pray for us until the scales fall from our eyes. We hear God speaking through scripture, through service, through our own answered and unanswered prayers. And God moves in our lives and we become disciples, something new. Maybe sometimes we find ourselves on roads we never thought we would be on, speaking and leading and sharing in places we never thought we'd be. God is there to give us the words, not to let us fall, to lead us through difficult times, to open new doors. Don't think it can happen to you, even if it hasn't happened yet. Throughout time, God has always chosen those most unlikely ones to preach good news, to speak up for those in danger, to lead movements, to bring a promise 
of God's peace where there has been only death. Nehemiah, Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, John the Baptist, yeah, I should. God calls us in so many different ways, beginning with our baptisms, where for most of us, our family members are the ones who led us to these waters. And we're forgiven, and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you drifted away from the church for a while, and now you're back. We love that. That's great. Maybe you've warmed a pew for decades, or have served in every role in the church. You've been changed, too. And you have been called. To what? God knows. But you have been gifted, you've been fed, you've been washed and sent into the world to share this good news that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Jesus is not dead but alive. He showed himself to his disciples, to some guys on the road to Emmaus, and even to Saul, who was an enemy of those who were on the way. On this road to Damascus. He shows himself to us too, through scripture, through worship, through fellowship, and prayer, and serving, and giving. May we continue to follow him on the way, in all our ways, listening for that voice that is still calling our names, transforming us, and sending us in new directions with open eyes and hearts and hands. Thanks be to God.